epic tales of mystery and magic to accounts of battle and empire from the verses of ancient poets to the masterpieces of our times a light on literature brings to life China's literary heritage and a look at the world in a new light In today's A Light on Literature, we continue by presenting the book Two Years in the Forbidden City by Princess Delane. Today, Marlene narrates the second part of the 13th chapter titled The Empress Portrait. The Empress Daozhi Cixi encounters the art of Western oil paintings and the modern technology of photography. The subject brings great joy to her otherwise monotonous life. Enjoy. After she had finished her tea, she got up and went around the room, examining everything, opening up all my bureau drawers and boxes in order to see whether I kept my things in proper order. Happening to glance into one corner of the room, she exclaimed, "What are those pictures on the table over there?" and walked across to examine them. As soon as she picked them up, she exclaimed in much surprise, "Why, they are all photographs of yourself, and are very much better than the picture you had painted. They are more like you. Why didn't you show them to me before?" I hardly knew what to answer, and when she saw that I was very much embarrassed by her question, she immediately started talking about something else. She often acted in this manner when she saw that any of us were not quite prepared for any of her questions, but she would be sure to reopen the subject at some future time when we were expected to give a direct answer. After examining the photographs for some time, which, by the way, were all taken in European dress, Her Majesty said, "Now these are good photographs." Much better than the portrait you had painted. Still, I have given my promise, and、um, I suppose I shall have to keep it. However, if I do have my photograph taken, it will not interfere at all with the painting of the portrait. The only trouble is, I cannot ask an ordinary professional photographer to the palace. It would hardly be the thing. My mother thereupon explained to Her Majesty that if she desired to have her photograph taken, one of my brothers, who had studied photography for some considerable time, would be able to do all that was necessary. I would like to explain that I had two brothers at court at that time, who held appointments under the Empress Dowager. One was in charge of all the electrical installation at the Summer Palace, and the other her private steam launch. It was the custom for all the sons of the Manchu officials to hold certain positions at the court for two or three years. They were perfectly free to walk about the grounds of the palace and saw Her Majesty daily. 
Her Majesty was always very kind to these young men and chatted with them in quite a motherly way. These young fellows had to come to the palace each morning very early, but as no man was allowed to stay all night in the palace, they of course had to leave when they had finished their duties for the day. When Her Majesty heard what my mother said, she was very much surprised and asked why she had never been told that my brother was learned in photography. My mother replied that she had no idea that Her Majesty wished to have a photograph taken and had not dared to suggest such a thing herself. Her Majesty laughed and said, <laughs> You may suggest anything you like. As I want to try anything that is new to me, especially as outsiders can know nothing about. She gave orders to send for my brother at once. On his arrival, Her Majesty said to him, I heard that you are a photographer. I'm going to give you something to do. My brother was kneeling, as was the custom of the court, whilst Her Majesty was addressing him. Everybody, with the exception of the court ladies, had to kneel when she was speaking to them. Even the emperor himself was no exception to this rule. Of course, the court ladies, being constantly in attendance, were allowed not to kneel, as Her Majesty was talking to us all the time, and it was her orders that we should not do so, as it would be wasting a lot of time. Her Majesty asked my brother when he would be able to come and take her photograph and what kind of weather was necessary. My brother said that he would go back to Peking that night to fetch his camera and that he could take the photograph at any time she desired, as the weather would not affect the work. So Her Majesty decided to have her photograph taken the next morning. She said, I want to have one taken, first of all, in my chair when going to the audience, and you can take some others afterwards. She also asked my brother how long she would have to sit and was surprised to learn that only a few seconds would suffice. Next, she inquired how long it would be before it was finished so that she could see it. My brother answered that if it were taken in the morning, it could be finished late the same afternoon. Her Majesty said that was delighted and expressed a wish to watch him do the work. She told my brother that she might select any room in the palace to work in and ordered a eunuch to make the necessary preparations. The next day was a beautiful day and at eight o'clock my brother was waiting in the courtyard with several cameras her Majesty went to the courtyard and examined each of them. She said, How funny it is that you can take a person's picture with a thing like that. After the method of taking the photograph had been fully explained to her, she commanded one of the eunuchs to stand in front of the camera so that she might look through the focusing glass to see what it was like. Her Majesty exclaimed, Why is it... Your head is upside down. Are you standing on your head or feet? So we explained when the photo was taken, it would not look that way. She was delighted with the result of her observations and said that it was marvelous. 
Finally, she told me to go and stand there as she wanted to have a look at me through this glass also. She then exchanged places with me and desired that I should look through the glass and see if I could make out what she was doing. She waved her hand in front of the camera, and on my telling her of it, she was pleased. She then entered her chair and ordered the bearers to proceed. My brother took another photograph of Her Majesty in the procession as she passed the camera. After she had passed the camera, she turned and asked my brother, Did you take a picture? And on my brother answering that he had, Her Majesty said, Why didn't you tell me? I was looking too serious. Next time when you are going to take one, let me know so that I may try and look pleasant. I knew that Her Majesty was very much pleased. While we were at the back of the screen during the audience, I noticed that she seemed anxious to get it over in order to have some more photographs taken. It only took about 20 minutes to get that particular audience over, which was very rare. After the people had gone, we came from behind the screen and Her Majesty said, Let us too and have some more pictures taken while the weather is fine. So she walked the courtyard of the audience hall where my brother had a camera ready and had another photograph taken. She said that she would like to have some taken sitting on her throne, exactly as though she were holding an audience. It took us only a few minutes to have everything prepared in the courtyard. The screen was placed behind the throne, and her footstool was also placed ready for her, and she ordered one of the court ladies to go and bring several gowns for her to select from. At the same time, I went and brought some of her favorite jewelry. She ordered the two gowns which she had worn at the audiences when she received Admiral Evans and Mrs. Evans to be brought in, and also the same jewels as she had worn on those respective occasions. She had two photographs taken in these costumes, one in each dress. Next, she wanted one taken in a plain gown without any embroidery. She then ordered my brother to go and finish the pictures which had already been taken as she was anxious to see what they were like. She said to my brother, You wait a minute, I want to go with you and see how you work on them. Of course, I had not considered it necessary to explain to Her Majesty the process of developing the pictures, the darkroom, etc. So I explained to her as well as I could the whole thing. Her Majesty replied, It doesn't matter. I want to go and see the room, no matter what kind of a room it is. So we all adjourned to the darkroom in order to see my brother work on the photographs. We placed a chair so that Her Majesty could sit down. She said to my brother, You must forget that I am here and go along with your work just as usual. She watched for a while and was very pleased. When she saw that the plates were developing so quickly, my brother held up the plate to the red light to enable her to see more distinctly. Her Majesty said, It is not very clear. 
I can see that it is myself all right, but um, why is it that my face and hands are dark? We explained to her that when the picture was printed on paper, these dark spots would show white, and the white parts would be dark. She said, "Well, one is never too old to learn. This is something really new to me." I'm not sorry that I suggested having my photograph taken, and only hope that I shall like the portrait painting as well," she said to my brother. "Don't finish these photographs until after I have had my afternoon rest. I want to see you do it." Ever wondered what sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn/podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the Chinese people. When she got up at about half past three, it did not take her long to dress herself, as was her usual custom. And she went immediately to where my brother had the papers and everything prepared. He then showed Her Majesty how the printing was done. There was plenty of light, as it was summer time, and as it was only four o'clock in the afternoon, the sun was still high. Her Majesty watched for two hours while my brother was printing, and was delighted to see each picture come out quite plainly. She held the first one in her hand so long while examining the others that when she came to look at it again, she found that it had turned quite black. She could not understand this at all and exclaimed, "Why has this gone black? Is it bad luck?" We explained to her that it must be washed after printing; otherwise, a strong light would cause the picture to fade. As this one had done, she said, "How very interesting! And what a lot of work there is!" After the printing process had been finished, my brother placed the pictures in a chemical bath as usual, finally washing them in clean water. This caused Her Majesty even more surprise when she saw how clear the pictures came out, and caused her to exclaim. How extraordinary! Everything is quite true to life. When they were finally completed, she took the whole of them to her own room and sat down on her little throne, and gazed at them for a long time. She even took her mirror in order to compare her reflection with the photographs just taken. All this time, my brother was standing in the courtyard, awaiting Her Majesty's further commands. Suddenly, she recollected this fact and said, "Why, I had forgotten all about your brother. The poor fellow must be still standing, waiting to know what I want next. You go and tell him. No, I had better go and speak to him myself. He has worked so hard all the day that I." Want to say something to make him feel happy? 
She ordered my brother to print 10 copies of each of the photographs and to leave all his cameras at the palace in order that he could proceed with the work the next day. The following 10 days, it rained continually, which made Her Majesty very impatient, as it was impossible to take any more photographs until the weather improved. Her Majesty wanted to have some taken in the throne room, but this room was too dark. The upper windows being pasted over with thick paper, only the lower windows allowing the light to enter. My brother tried several times, but failed to get a good picture. During this rainy period, the court was moved to the sea palace as the emperor was to sacrifice at the temple of earth. This was a yearly ceremony and was carried out on similar lines to all other annual ceremonies. On account of the rain, Her Majesty ordered that boats should be brought alongside the west shore of the summer palace. On entering the boats, Her Majesty, accompanied by the court, proceeded to the western gate of the city and on arrival at the last bridge, disembarked. Chairs were awaiting us and we rode to the gate of the sea palace. There we again entered the boats and proceeded across the lake, a distance of about a mile. While crossing the lake, Her Majesty noticed a lot of lotus plants which were in full bloom. She said, We are going to stay at least three days here. I hope the weather will be fine as I should like to have some photographs taken in the open boats on the lake. I have also another good idea, and that is, I want to have one taken as Guan Yin, Goddess of Mercy. The two chief eunuchs will be dressed as attendants. The necessary gowns were made some time ago, and I occasionally put them on. Whenever I have been angry or worried over anything, by dressing up as the Goddess of Mercy... It helps me to calm myself and so play the part I represent. I can assure you that it does help me a great deal, as it makes me remember that I'm looked upon as being all-merciful. By having a photograph taken of myself dressed in this costume, I shall be able to see myself as I ought to be at all times. When we arrived at the private palace, the rain ceased. We walked to her bedroom, although the ground was still in bad condition. One of Her Majesty's peculiarities was a desire to go out in the rain and walk about. She would not even use an umbrella unless it was raining very heavily. The eunuchs always carried our umbrellas, but if Her Majesty did not use her umbrella, of course, we could not very well use ours. The same thing applied in everything. If Her Majesty wanted to walk, we had to walk also. And if she decided to ride in her chair, we had to get into our chairs and ride as well. The only exception to this rule was when Her Majesty, being tired walking, ordered her stool to rest on. We were not allowed to sit in her presence but had to stand all the time. Her Majesty liked her sea palace better than her palace in the Forbidden City. It was far prettier and had the effect of making her good-tempered. 
Her Majesty ordered us to retire early that day as we were all very tired after the trip and said that in the event of it being fine the next day, she would have the proposed photographs taken. However, much to Her Majesty's disappointment, it rained incessantly for the next three days, so it was decided to stay a few days longer. On the last day of our stay, it cleared up sufficiently to enable the photographs to be taken, after which we all returned to the Summer Palace. The day after our arrival at the Summer Palace, Her Majesty said that we had better prepare everything for the audience to receive the lady artist, Miss Carr. She told the chief eunuch to issue orders to all the other eunuchs not to speak to Miss Carl, but simply be polite as occasion required. We court ladies received similar orders. Also that we were not to address Her Majesty while Miss Carl was present. The emperor received similar instructions. Her Majesty gave orders to have the gardens of Prince Chun's palace ready. She then said to us, I trust you three to look after this lady artist. I have already given orders for food to be supplied by the Wai Wu Pu. The only thing that I have been worried about is that I have no foreign food here for Miss Carl. She ordered us to have our stove taken over to Prince John's palace in case Miss Carr desired something cooked. She said, I know it would be very hard for you to take her to the palace each morning and return with her at night, besides having to watch her all day long, but um, I know you do not mind. You are doing all this for me. After a while, she smiled and said, how selfish of me. I order you to bring all your things to this place. But what is your father going to do? The best thing would be to ask your father to come and live in the same place. The country air might benefit him. We kowtowed and thanked Her Majesty as this was a special favor. No official nor anyone else having been allowed to live in Prince John's palace previously. We all were very pleased. I could now see my father every day. Hitherto, we had only been able to see him about once a month, and then only by asking special leave. The next day, Her Majesty sent us to Prince John's palace to make all necessary arrangements for Miss Carl's stay. And that was from the 13th chapter of Two Years in the Forbidden City, written by Princess Sterling and narrated by Man Ling. Join us next time on A Light on Literature for the final part of the chapter.
ever wondered what sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn/podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the Chinese.